Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Hey, it's Dave Asprey with Bulletproof Radio. Today's cool fact of the day is that you want to really know what those prescription medications you're taking do because you wouldn't guess that something like a dopamine agonist, which is common in some hallucinogens like salvia divinorium and also common in a lot of prescription drugs, can cause pathological gambling. It's one of those weird things where who would have guessed that either a drug, a hallucinogen that's legal in most states, or a whole class of drugs called dopamine agonists, agonists would, uh, would do that kind of a bizarre behavior. So I was surprised to learn that, and it seemed like a cool fact of the day. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. Today's guest is uh, someone unique who really has a personal story, uh, something that, that has affected her. I find that some of the world's most powerful and motivated biohackers had something happen that really opened their eyes and made them start paying attention. Her name is Lisa Bloomquist, and she was injured by Cipro, the very common antibiotic, the one we were stockpiling when everyone was afraid of anthrax. And she runs a website called Floxy Hope, 
which talks about what this class of fluoride or fluorine containing drugs can do to people. And she's made it her mission to talk about what these really common types of drugs actually do to your metabolism. This is one of those things where if you are not on this common class of drug, you know someone who is. And since this is a much more common thing than people know about, it's one of those things where we shine a light on it once, you listen to this episode, you'll learn some interesting things, we'll have an engaging conversation, but you'll be armed with knowledge to avoid something that can completely wreck you, as well as to talk with other people, like, do you really want to do that? So this is just a chance to help other people. And this is the kind of stuff that I, I really enjoy because this is not a one in a million problem. This is a much more common thing. Um, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Dave. I really appreciate it. Now, you didn't decide you were going to be, well, you call yourself a patient advocate, but basically someone who works with these people who are damaged so they know what happened and works with a medical profession to know about it. Um, how did you begin? Like, how did you get into this? It, it's kind of an un unusual thing. Um, basically, like you said, I got sick. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things where it happened to me. So um, I was 32 years old. I was incredibly healthy and athletic. Like I had just hiked the, the entire 500 mile Colorado trail when wow. I got a, a urinary tract infection, just like a really simple urinary tract infection. And I took Cipro. I actually took the generic Ciprofloxacin to treat that urinary tract infection. And it was like a bomb went off in my body. I went from doing CrossFit to barely being able to walk. Like my hands and feet swelled up and I had peripheral neuropathy that was just, that was incredibly painful. I had trouble walking a block and to go from being incredibly athletic to not being able to walk was just, was just horrible. And of wow. course that caused me a huge amount of anxiety. Um, it's, it's hard to know when you have a bomb going off in your body how much anxiety is a result of the, of the uh, things that are going on and how much of it is a symptom itself. But I had a massive amount of anxiety. Um, I had hives all over my body, but especially in my oh. joints. I had like really profound weakness in my legs. Um, I lost my memory. I lost my memory and my reading comprehension. And, and to be honest with you, like that was much, much, much more scary. It was much more <laughs> frightening than, um, than losing my physical abilities. And, and, and I've, I've read your story. I know that you know what it's like to just suddenly not be able to think. And when you, yeah. when you think of yourself as, a, as an intelligent person and you depend on your intelligence to survive and make money, to suddenly be unable to think is... I mean, it's horrifying. Um, losing your mind is a lot worse than losing some physical capabilities or being uncomfortable. And it's it, it, it's tough because you and I felt it because it was kind of dramatic. And a lot of people have lost substantial portions of their capability, but because it happened more slowly, it, like you don't feel it go until one day you're like, oh, I have senile cognitive dementia and I didn't even know it. I have Alzheimer's disease and I'm not aware of it. Like it's invisible. And there's a whole line of, of slow decline. We just got it all at once and are like, okay, not all right. right. So, so you basically took an antibiotic and your life went all to hell, but you didn't know it was the antibiotic, obviously. You know, it was it was difficult to put the pieces together. Um, I think that uh, I, I had a delayed reaction. The reaction was delayed by by a couple by about two weeks, and and that made it very difficult to connect point A to point B. Um, I think that what really triggered what what triggered the bomb was the ciprofloxacin that I took. I think that that was that was the bomb. But another thing that set it off was I took ibuprofen. 
And it turns out that ibuprofen, that NSAIDs, NZs, um, potentiate the effects of quinolones. And that's the class of drugs that ciprofloxacin is. They potentiate them by up to 33,000%. And, and the, the study that, that that was in, where it was potentiated by 33,000%, they were talking about the effects of these drugs on your GABA neurotransmitters. And you probably know, and probably a lot of your listeners know, that your GABA neurotransmitters are responsible for um, kind of your calming um, neurotransmitters. So, so the, when, you, when you relax, when you go to sleep, when you can concentrate, that's your GABA. Um, that your GABA is involved in that, and it completely blocks your GABA neurotransmitters. So, and the combination of the NSAIDs and the Cipro completely messed up my, my GABA neuro- neurotransmitters, and everything it, it, everything went wrong. And, the, and there, there are some other things that the, that the quinolones did to me as well, but, um, but I think that the, a lot of the mental and the central nervous system side effects have a lot to do with those with those GABA receptors. It's interesting you mentioned ibuprofen because uh, during the cool fact of the day, I talked about bizarre side effects. A lot of people don't know this, but ibuprofen and some antibiotics and modafinil, which is a, a phenomenal smart drug, uh, they can all trigger something called SJS, which is a, a potentially, in some cases, deadly uh, type of uh, skin rash. But it's you know about five out of a million people uh, is the potential risk. Like the risk of that's very low, but ibuprofen's a trigger by itself. Modafinil could be a trigger by itself, and a bunch of different antibiotics are. And so it's one of those things where, okay, if that happens, you're going to end up in the hospital because you get like an autoimmune response to your skin, and like it, it's, it's bad. Um, what you had was maybe more systemic from Cipro, but how often do people respond to all of the, the what do you call them, the quinolones? The, the quinolones. So, yeah. so they include Cipro, in the generic mm-hmm. of Cipro, which is ciprofloxacin, Levaquin, Levafloxacin, Avalox, Moxifloxacin, Floxin, um, Ofloxacin. And they all have, all of those um, generic names have the word flox in them. And that's why a lot of people who, the people who have this multi-symptom chronic illness that's due to these drugs, we call ourselves floxies. It's just kind of short term. It's it's much easier than said to say than um, I was hurt by a drug in the quinolone class. <laughs> you have antibiotics. Got it. You know. So so how like how big of an issue is this? You know, it's really hard to tell. Um, there was an FDA report when the FDA added permanent peripheral neuropathy to the warning label for all of the fluoroquinolones uh, back in 2013. They put out a report that noted that uh, 26 million prescriptions for fluoroquinolones are given out in America each year. So that is a massive number of people. Um, The estimates for the side effects are anywhere in between 1 and 20%. And when you get a range of 1 and 20%, you just know they, they don't know. They really don't know. Yeah. And, and a couple of things that are really complicating the matter are that um, the effects are often delayed, like they were for me. Um, the ibuprofen really set off the bomb in my in my body, and um, it was it was difficult to connect the the um, effects that I went through and the and the cause. And also, like it's it's very bizarre. Like who would really think that something as common and what, what people think of as, as um, 
who would think that an antibiotic could cause a multi-symptom chronic illness? Like it's, it's not, it's not something that would occur to most people. I know that certainly before I got sick, if someone had said, uh, you risk having permanent peripheral neuropathy or you risk um, having uh, uh, severe anxiety and insomnia for the rest of your life or you're going to lose your memory for some period of time because you took an antibiotic, I'd be like, no, like, what are, what are you talking about? Like, that's that's completely absurd. And I think that that just connecting connecting those dots is very difficult for um, both patients and doctors alike and you know really trying to get out the word to people that if you start having um, symptoms of a, a lot of the symptoms are very similar to fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome if all mm -hmm. of a sudden you get sick with a uh, chronic fatigue syndrome like symptoms and and not that not that fluoroquinolones are the only causes of those diseases by by any well, no, you, you get you get lyme disease and you get toxic mold and you get a few other environmental things and most of those are triggered by some of that stuff yeah exactly yeah. like like all of all of those all of this toxic soup that we live in um, it all contributes to mitochondrial damage. It all contributes to microbiome destruction. It all contributes to um, vagal nerve damage and and uh, and neurotransmitter damage. And so, so I just want people to connect the dots when they do take a fluoroquinolone that that these drugs can have those effects. And it can feel. I thought I had an autoimmune disease. Yeah. You know, it seemed like all of a sudden I had an autoimmune disease and, you know, all of the tests for those other things that you mentioned um, came up perfectly clear. Um, the the test for uh, the test for autoimmune diseases said that I was fine. The doctor said, you're fine. Wow. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not fine. I can't walk anymore. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't think anymore. I'm obviously not fine. And, um, you know, that led me to try and hack. Like what? What in the world had happened? Like what? What happened in my body to make to make this bomb go off? There are whole communities of, of people out there who've been affected by by drugs, and it's weird because historically you were just screwed. Uh, there was just no way to get in touch with the other five or ten or even fifty thousand people who were affected by something. But now you have like a group working on post finasteride syndrome. This is Propecia, the, the stuff that you take for baldness. For a certain number of men, it basically chemically castrates you. Like you, you basically get like like loss of all male sexual hormones, and it's like it's really really disturbing for the guys who have it. So they're you know they're talking about this and looking at ways to treat it and cure it and taking action, and talking about we need better warning labels. And so I feel like the internet and social media and cloud computing and all has enabled people like you to go out there and say, right, this is an issue. The big question though is, all right, we don't know how common this is. Uh, the side effects from Cipro are from one to 20%, but that can include you know, upset stomach as a side effect. So you don't really, you don't know how many people get this. Right. Um, we also don't know, and, and this is where I get really concerned about, about drugs, if you do a search for the quinolones and mitochondria, and mitochondria are these power plants in our cells, right? And you know what they are, but for people listening, um, they may not. And if you take a drug that does damage to them, that 
can have permanent or semi-permanent effects. And you can grow new mitochondria. By the way, did I mention unfair advantage? <laughs> Which is a part of my program for keeping my mitochondria strong after massive toxic mold exposure. <laughs> but what you can do is you can look at what drugs do and you can Google them and you'll find that CPRO damages mitochondria. We don't know to what extent, but I believe that when you take a drug like that, which may save your life, okay, there's uses of these drugs. In fact, the odds of you getting your condition from taking CPRO are pretty small. But the odds of it causing some damage to your mitochondria are pretty big. Uh, another guy um, who really um, brought this uh, to my attention is a guy named Alex Lightman, a, a friend of mine who lives down in Santa Monica. He's a really influential, uh, influential guy like on Quora and does a lot of like futurist kind of things. But he's working on really like growing his physical performance and he's around 50. So, so it's like, how do I get better mitochondria? And he started taking metformin, a very common anti-aging drug as well as a diabetes drug, one that I took for um, several years actually because it has such profound effects on mimicking caloric restriction. So there's an anti-aging story for it. Uh, the problem is that he noticed his physical performance, like his, his the amount of time it took him to run a mile, it dropped when he was on metformin, and it stayed down for a while. And then he found the studies that said, oh yeah, metformin kind of does cause mitochondrial damage. So what we're seeing here is a soup of toxic chemicals. These are stuff we put in our environment. A soup of naturally occurring toxic chemicals, things like OTA, the most common coffee toxin, the one that I keep going on and on about in coffee, it flattens the inner mitochondrial membrane. You're seeing the quinolones. You're seeing even some common diabetes drugs, and all of these are taking hits on your mitochondria. So if you think of a car with an engine that's going to run, if all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I didn't change the oil, I didn't change the air filter, you know, I, I didn't take care of the engine, I put in cheap gas, and all the other things you can do to make a car just sort of just slow down, and suddenly it doesn't go... 100 or 200,000 miles and it goes 70,000 miles and it needs a major overhaul. I think we're all doing this. And I think that you're kind of a canary here because it's like you got this all at once because it really, really jacked up your mitochondria. Exactly. Like it completely obliterated me, but it was the second time I'd taken it. The first time uh -huh. I was fine. I, oh, was, I, was, I was completely fine the first time I took it. The first time I took it was in 2009. I hiked the entire Colorado Trail in 2010. And then in 2011 is when I took it the second time. So, so I think that our mitochondria have a damage threshold, pretty much. Like they, they can take a hit. Our mitochondria are built to take a hit. And you can, you can abuse them with, with toxins in your environment until you can't anymore. And when, yes. and, and, and when you can't <laughs> anymore, then, then multi-symptom chronic illness breaks loose and autoimmune diseases break loose. And, and, you know, ev everything goes wrong in your body when, when you pass that threshold. And, and you know where you're going to feel it first? You're going to feel it in your head. Yep. Because that's where you have the most mitochondria, your prefrontal cortex. Right, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, you know, when you're feeling suddenly foggy, don't just think of it as a senior moment when you're 37 years old. You know, you're not just having a senior moment. You might want to think about the toxins in your environment, including... The antibiotics that you took. Well, let's see, what, what are antibiotics? They're mold toxins. They're mycotoxins. <laughs> the vast majority of antibiotics are simply, you take a fungus, you grow it, and you take out it, the, thing, the poisonous stuff that it makes, and you concentrate it into a pill. 
And so, yeah, <laughs> a lot of them are, but these, this is not a fungal derived no, one. No, this, right? is, this is not yeah. a fungal derived one, yeah. but this one is even scarier. So, these, mm -hmm. so quinolones are actually what's called topoisomerase interrupters. And so, topoisomerases are enzymes that are required for DNA and RNA replication. And basically, if the, uh, the DNA and RNA replication cycle gets jammed up if you don't have these enzymes, and uh, quinolones are topoisomerase interrupters, and so they, they block that process for bacteria. Um, our mitochondria are ancient bacteria, or at least that's the predominant theory. They're, like that's, they're derived they, from they, them, right? They are, they are yeah. derived from, from mitochondria, and so our mitochondrial DNA cannot replicate after taking these drugs. And all of the other topoisomerase interrupters that are out there, there are several other drugs that are topoisomerase interrupters. They're all chemo drugs. And I think that a, a paradigm shift needs to happen when it comes to how people think of fluoroquinolones and especially how doctors think of fluoroquinolones because these are chemo drugs. And they need wow. to be they need to be thought of as chemo drugs. And they've been shown to have effects on on uh, cancerous cells, which is great. That's that's wonderful for people who have cancer, except maybe it's not appropriate to give to people when they have a sinus infection. So if someone went to the doctor tomorrow and the doctor said, oh, you have a, a infection, have some Cipro, what would you recommend the person say back to their doctor? So first and foremost, before you accept any sort of antibiotics, you need to, um, you need to get a culture. Like it's absolutely imperative that you not take antibiotics just because you're feeling bad. You, you, need to, you need to get a culture, you need to make sure that it's a bacterial infection. It needs to be responsive to the, to the fluoroquinolones. And then that's, I think- That's so retro though. I mean, like when I was a kid, I had strep throat every single month. I mean like every month reliably because I lived in a moldy basement and that's one of the things you get is strep throat and sinus infections. So I was on antibiotics for 15 years, just about every month. and. When I was young, they would culture it, and there was like a 15-minute culture to tell it was actually strep, and they give you antibiotics. I've gone to 10 different doctors. Um, this is probably more than five years ago. I really don't have issues with that kind of infection anymore, but I'd be like, can you culture this? I don't want to take antibiotics anymore. And the answer is, we don't do that anymore. We can't culture it. Like, we don't even have the capability set anymore. Are you actually finding people who can culture what they have? You know, personally, not in my experience. Like my experience has been yeah. has been just like you. Except I mean, like this is this is absolutely absurd. Like it it's is. completely absurd. Like and everyone knows about about the problems of antibiotic resistance. Everyone knows about the problems of of um, uh, of overuse of antibiotics and and that we have these these antibiotic resistant bacteria that are that are causing death. <laughs> you know. Right. You know, and everyone knows about about that problem, except they're Holy not stopping crap. the overuse of the antibiotics. And here's and right, we got to stop for a second because I thought of something that I just need to say. Sure. So the entrepreneur in me right now is like, all right, I should go out and I should start the home lab testing company. Right now, I, I, I helped to start one of the probably the first or maybe the second home lab testing company where you could actually like mail your blood without a doctor's prescription to get. Uh, to get tested, but there's a very big low-hanging fruit for someone listening to this, and, and there are like tens of thousands of health entrepreneurs listening right now. 
start a company that lets me take a swab of something that's bacterial, I think, like mucus or wherever I want to put the thing, and send it in. We don't need the DNA sequencing that you get from Ubiome, which takes a long time. Like if, if you let me FedEx you something and then tomorrow you send me an email that says it's X species, that would be incredible because we know what species respond to what antibiotics. And if you could test antibiotic sensitivity, this doesn't require a prescription for you to know what's growing in your body. This is like a totally untapped, no one's ever done this, home lab testing thing that would let people like you and me and probably oh, a million other people actually intelligently use drugs whether or not we had a culture from our doctor. That's awesome. Somebody start it, please. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that that's, that that's a brilliant idea. But, you know, like I said, everyone knows about the problem of antibiotic resistance, but people don't really realize that antibiotics have serious and severe side effects. Yeah. And I think that, and that's basically what the word that I'm trying to get out is that these drugs can have such serious and severe side effects that they can be, you know, kind of of the life ruining magnitude. And also, by the way, these are chemo drugs. Don't take a chemo drug when you have a sinus infection or a urinary tract infection or just like a simple infection that could be taken care of by a safer antibiotic. And there are safer antibiotics that are available in most cases. Um, certainly kind of back to your original point uh, or your, your first question about how many people are, are affected by this. Like I, I know that not everyone who takes Cipro is obliterated like I was. I've, ta I've taken it several times. Yeah. You know, um, but you also had a health journey, you know, like maybe part of that, you never know. Like with these, with these, like, well, I was, I was already on my way back. Like it's one of those, oh, I'm in Thailand and, um, well, if I don't take this, no one's going to like what happens. Oh. Um, but I was fine. Yeah. Like, and, and <laughs> honestly, like, I'm, I'm glad you were fine, but like giving it to people prophylactically for traveler's diarrhea, like that's something yeah. that just, oh, it makes, my, drugs for that. it makes yeah. my blood boil. It absolutely makes my blood boil that, that um, Pepto-Bismol and Gatorade can take care of most, most uh, uh, incidences of, of traveler's diarrhea. And just to prescribe a drug that is so powerful and so dangerous um, as as cipro, ciprofloxacin, when it's not a confirmed infection, I I don't think is appropriate. What's interesting, uh, when I went to Tibet and I learned about putting butter in tea, that was kind of the origin uh, behind what eventually became Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, I spent three months there. I took uh, grapefruit seed extract, which is a potent antimicrobial from grapefruit, and I took uh, soil-based organisms. This is going back like to 2004 before SBOs were cool. And I took you know a handful of vitamins every day. And I ate like Tibetan street food and like snake venom things in Taipei. And every single person I traveled with and on buses and all this, like they all got traveler's diarrhea. I never got it once um, on, on not on that trip. That wasn't where I, I had the zebra with me because I needed it. I never took it. And to be able to go three months in all these different countries without ever having an issue, using healthy bacteria instead of killing everything in the gut, disturbing my microbiome, was, was pretty amazing, actually. And I, I think that most people, if they understood, taking probiotics when you travel is probably a better strategy than taking antibiotics in case you need them, that we could reduce incidence of traveler's diarrhea by like 90% just by doing that. Absolutely. And like we need to really rethink our strategy of just um, scorched earth policy when it comes to, to our microbiome and when it comes to bacteria. And you've talked about it several times on the show of just, just nourish your microbiome. And by the way, there are some really serious consequences if you, if you destroy your microbiome. 
I guess we call that scorched gut, right? Yeah, yeah, our, our scorched gut policy that, that <laughs> you know, no one is denying that antibiotics have saved millions of lives. No one's, oh, yeah, no but- one's denying that, but we need to acknowledge that they have consequences too. And some of the consequences of some antibiotics, especially those in the fluoroquinolone class, are, are life-ruining. You know, like we have people who are in chronic pain because of this, um, they, they leach the magnesium and the iron out of your cells. And magnesium and iron are both vital for all sorts of enzymatic reactions and a lot of the, um, the musculoskeletal problems. So these drugs have a black box warning for tendon ruptures. Um, they, also damage yeah. col- they also damage collagen. They also damage um, muscles, all sorts of just musculoskeletal problems. People who are athletes should never, ever take it, these drugs. This is really true. Uh, Cipro and tendon ruptures is something I, I've seen with pro athletes and with like CrossFitters and people who are really going for it. it like, if you have to take Cipro and you're an athlete, I would say like, like stop being an athlete for a couple months. Uh, like go really easy because of this risk. You, you blow out your, your tendons, man. It's not good. Right, and, and it's, not, it's a structural injury to the tendons. Yeah. So it changes the structure of, of the tendons, which means that it's not as easy to recover from as like a sports injury. Um, I know a, a 28-year-old mixed martial artist who is essentially bedbound now because he took wow. Cipro. And I mean, he was the type of guy who did research on whether or not he should put a banana into his smoothies before, but like that he, that he had. He was just, you know, that, the, that the, type of The answer of, to that though that is no, because it's full of sugar and it doesn't taste that good in the smoothie. If you're gonna take the sugar hit, just eat the banana because it tastes better. But that's just Well, 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 there, well, there you go. There's your answer on, on, on the smoothies. I could have told but, him. <laughs> but, but, you know, like that's just, just to kind of make the point that he was that, that type of, person who really cared about his body and you know he just trusted his doctor and he's been obliterated um uh, and and it's it's really it's really sad you know like i went from like i said doing crossfit and doing you know huge huge hikes to um doing absolutely nothing for a while um, and then as I've recovered, I'm able to do things like Pilates and I'm still able to go on like some shorter hikes and things like that. And it's not, it's not tragic for me to have to do Pilates and, and swimming instead of CrossFit and huge hikes. But for someone who is an athlete, that can be devastating. Well, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we're just learning about collagen formation in people and what makes collagen form and just even different genetic types of collagen. Like some people are way more flexible than other people. And it turns out people with that kind of collagen are also much more likely to be uh, injured with hypermobility injuries. And they're also more likely, uh, dramatically more likely to be in the 25% of people who get like seriously screwed up by toxic mold. So that it's, it's, there's an immune connection between the way your collagen is formed uh, and the way your immune system works. And it's driven by the HLA genes. Um, is, is there a genetic component with this kind of toxicity with uh, floxies basically have, have they discovered that almost certainly but it hasn't okay. it hasn't been discovered yeah i mean like, there's got to be a reason that i was not okay after i took it but but you were um this is 
there has to be some sort of genetic component, but I don't know what that genetic component is. But I would think that it would have something to do with collagen synthesis. And there was a recent study out of the Mayo Clinic uh, showing that iron was chelated from cells by by the quinolones. And what they what they showed is that um, it triggered an epigenetic response. Yes. And and that and they postulated, they hypothesized that that the epigenetic it triggered some sort of epigenetic thing that messed up collagen synthesis. They said it much more scientifically than 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 I just did. But uh, but your enzymes need magnesium and iron, and if magnesium and iron are sucked out of your cells, you can't have those enzymatic reactions, and that's going to affect your epigenetics. Um, that makes that makes great sense. Magnesium is on the top ten list of supplements on the Bulletproof website because almost everyone's deficient anyway. If you take a drug that takes more of it out of you, yikes! Yeah. But there's there's something else in the fluoroquinolone, quinolone. That word is never going to roll off my tongue nicely. I've pr- probably said it for ten years. That's, that's why we call ourselves floxies. It's so much easier. <laughs> so, but the, it's the fluoro is the interesting part. That's uh, fluorine. And my my grandfather was one of the most preeminent fluorine chemists uh, on the planet. He was working with fluorine as a way to uh, to isolate um, uranium for you know, on the Manhattan Project. In fact, he was one of the inventors of the Purex process we still use today to purify uh, plutonium. And it was all based on this stuff. So he spent his whole career working with this nasty chemical. And he's like, it's the worst chemical ever because it reacts with everything. Like it, it breaks everything it comes in contact with. It's, it's an extremely strong oxidant. And he was like, fluoride? Like, I don't want to put fluoride in, in, on my teeth. Uh, like, I, I know what it does chemically. And we had this whole thing where the aluminum industry uh, took fluoride, which is a waste product, and was like, let's mix it with water because when it bonds to the surface of the tooth, it has short-term benefits even though it causes long-term damage like to your thyroid and things like that. It's that same incredible hyper-reactivity of the fluorine molecule that can be contributing to some of what this drug does. Like That's what makes it a powerful drug. And so there's broader concern about all drugs that contain fluorine as potentially being toxic to the thyroid and things like that. But I don't really know. Does this drug... Um, does Cipro have thyroid effects because of the fluoride in it or fluorine in it? It, it absolutely has thyroid effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that would explain why. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, yes, exactly. Like the, the fluoride certainly is a, is a potential reason, reason why. And, um, you know, there's a, one, one of my kind of fellow floxies is someone who has studied the effects of of fluoroquinolones on on her thyroid extensively and there's a great website i, I believe it's fluoroquinolonethyroid.com that that she has that um you know it's that the research that she's done is amazing and the damage that it has done to her is also is also quite quite horrible like like she she had both hyper and hypothyroid at, at essentially the same time oh, and like can, can you imagine the symptoms that she was going through like it was it was yeah. absolutely it's it's been absolutely horrible it's been life ruining for her and she has essentially lost everything because of because of the attack on her thyroid and um you know i i don't know that she entirely connects it to the to the fluoride or to the fluorine rather um but uh but certainly the fluoroquinolones attack the thyroid and that and that's a that's a possible mechanism for all of the damage that it causes 
you know, um, there, like I said, I've been just trying to hack this and trying to figure out like what in the world happened. And there are, there are so many levels of damage that these drugs do that I'm not sure exactly what happened, but the, but the thyroid it attacking the thyroid is one of the possibilities. Well, it's time to be a little bit crass because uh, you and your community of Foxies are amazing opportunities <laughs> uh, and guinea pigs. Just like all the people who've been exposed to toxic mold or mercury or have autoimmune diseases, like all of the people who had something go wrong, I look at them as canaries and every time it's a learning opportunity. So it's not really that crass, but it's like glass half empty, glass half full. So you are more highly motivated than almost anyone else on the planet to fix mitochondrial damage and to fix damages in, in collagen synthesis, to fix autoimmune problems, it, which you may or may not have, and to fix thyroid conditions, right? In the gut. Don't forget no, about and your the gut. gut. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's an antibiotic. So, so, so here you are. You're looking at five distinct and probably closer to 20 distinct different things if we got really into it. And you have a community of people who are like, this is life and death. Yeah. Now, I would argue that the vast majority of innovation is going to come from you guys, not from researchers specific to these conditions. Because the researchers aren't going to die Right. if it doesn't happen. And the researchers will not be able to take risks because they won't do it ethically and they won't be legally allowed to do what, what you will do to keep from dying. Do you agree with that? I, I do, I do. And oh. and that has both its pros and cons, it right? <laughs> like like it has its pros in that like people are, are willing to experiment on themselves. It has its cons that people are willing to experiment on themselves. Yep. And you know, you can hurt yourself. And, and people do it all the time. And, and people, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure you've had some of your self-experimentation go a little awry. You Let's know, see, this that little scar is from a, an electrode burn, and I, I have a few other, yeah, a few other times when I probably wasn't very happy with what I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and and it it's really frustrating in a lot of ways to not have some guidance. You know, like we go to the doctor and they just say like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Have, have some antidepressants, and it's like. What? Yeah. that's not helpful. <laughs> like That's like well, that's the opposite of helpful. <laughs> I, I've gone to a few doctors and I'm like, look, I'm going to do this experiment. I want to see what this pharmaceutical does for my condition. And I've done scads of research. Here's 20 studies that say that it works. In fact, one of the first ones was modafinil. When it was first on the market, I'm like, okay, I want to try this for these specific brain reasons because I have this going on and here's three studies. And like, well, that's an off-label use. I can't support that because my license is at risk. So when people like you and me and, and really probably half of, of the Western world is like, I'm dealing with insert name of, of nagging, life-altering symptom, whether it's I, you know, I'm always in pain or I'm tired all the time or I get headaches. People have these things and they're trying to solve them. And if you go to the doctor and you're like, I, I want lifestyle help, I wanna try this, I wanna try supplements, maybe you get help, maybe you don't. And you're like, okay, now I wanna add a pharmaceutical thing on there or I want access to hyperbaric oxygen with high pressure, which is, by the way, probably something that would help you. Right. Well, you need a permission slip, and the guys who write the permission slips can lose their license if they help you. And so that's why you have a lot of uh, a lot of this kind of like, like well, I'm going to go off, I'm going to do it, and you go to a site. Uh, actually, there's a bunch of websites out there where people are like, I mix up my own drugs, I, I'm concentrating cough syrup, and they're doing like bizarre stuff, which is really not advisable. 
but it's sometimes it's out of desperation and it's not they wouldn't accept help it's that when they ask for help they couldn't get it right and, and what's your experience been oh I, I think that that experience is incredibly common like my personal experience okay. is that that the doctor said you're fine I'm like, no 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 <laughs> like, I got like, some I'm, that too. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not <laughs> fine like like because the tests say that I'm fine your tests are obviously wrong like or, or inadequate in some way shape or form and we absolutely need more tests uh, for mitochondrial functioning we need more we, we need <laughs> better better tests for um, our gut functions. I'm laughing right now. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you by laughing. No um, the reason I made Moldy, the documentary, and mold is is always a mitochondrial damaging thing. It does lots of other stuff too, like thyroid and, and other hormones. But um, I had the same exact experience where like, you don't look like there's anything wrong with you. You have some dark circles under your eyes, whatever. Uh, but like, like, you don't look like there's anything wrong, therefore you're crazy. But I wanted to get like a dozen people who had exactly this talk about it, and they did. And it, you sound just like that, even though it's a different thing. We're like, if you feel like something's wrong with you, that's evidence. Right. It is the most important evidence of all. And the fact someone goes, there's no evidence you feel bad. You're like, dude, I can, I can feel the feeling. That is evidence. <laughs> right. right? Like, like, do you want me to try running a mile? Because I can't anymore. And I yeah. used to be able to do that with ease. So something's wrong. So, so now that we've established you're a guinea pig and you're a highly motivated guinea pig who's going to take more risks than medical researchers are allowed to do, um, what are you doing to fix your mitochondria? You know, I, I took a zillion supplements. Um, <laughs> and Did I've, any of them work? Um, iron worked very well. Um, iron cool. is what gave me my energy back. And, you know, wow. like all I, I need to just like put the little caveat that iron is not for everyone, you know, oh, it's men, pretty dangerous men, for some men of course, <laughs> should be should be very careful and should get their levels checked. Like as a yeah. as a menstruating woman, I figured I was I was OK with a very low dose iron supplement. Smart. And I yeah. was um, I got my levels checked afterward and I was, I was fine. Magnesium helped immensely. Magnesium helps helps a lot of people. Um, chlorophyll. I think helped mm -hmm. quite a bit from uh, from from nettles. Uh, and that's a copper containing substance as well. So was it the copper or the chlorophyll directly? Do you I think? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Like that's a that's a really that's a really good question. Because you're getting into a copper zinc uh, balance when you do right. that. And there's people with copper toxicity and there's people with right. copper lack of it. Well, so. uh, well, and and that actually brings up an interesting point that maybe people should be a little bit a little bit careful because it's it's quite. The symptoms of fluoroquinolone toxicity are very similar to the symptoms of porphyria and pyloria, and that's a lot of uh, that's copper toxicity. And people yeah. need more people need more zinc. So you know, don't necessarily follow follow my lead on on that one. I took a lot of uh, mitochondrial support supplements. I took uh, lots of lots of CoQ10, um, vita, vitamin E, um, PQQ. Um, things, things along those lines. And, uh, oh, MitoQ has helped a lot of people. I did not personally take it because I was feeling better by the time I heard about it. And we, it's awfully expensive. We, we carry the MitoQ. In fact, I have MitoQ on my face right now. Uh, we carry that on the Bulletproof store. Topically, I found it to be really effective orally. I haven't that's, felt, I, that's great. I took, I took 20 of them orally. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was like, I don't feel anything. All right. Maybe my mitochondria don't need that. But, but topically, like, I feel like I aged quite a bit. Like I've got, yeah. I've got some wrinkles that I just go like, Oh, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's normal aging over the last five years or, or a, if it's, it's like a collagen, collagen thing, thing, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Your skin is collagen. 
So, so, I mean, you can certainly eat collagen, like that's why I, I eat collagen because um, I don't know that I've had damage to my collagen synthesis, but I, I did notice like I, you know, it does take something out of you to have an autoimmune condition or to be exposed to toxins. Yeah, and um, are, you, are you doing ice, like cold exposure? I'm not. I'm so not. You can trigger, a lot of people don't know this, you can trigger collagen resynthesis with ice. Uh, so I do cryotherapy. I, I have in you know, Bulletproof Labs, I have like the liquid nitrogen chamber. And that's the extreme form, but it really rapidly changes your collagen. But even just doing the 30-minute cold shower, which you'd have to work up to if you have adrenal damage, um, or doing mild, uh, like 60-degree water, sitting in that for a little while, like when you swim in colder water, that can take some of the collagen and make it healthier again. That's interesting. Swimming really helped me a lot. Um, And I I felt like there was something, you know, sorry to be too woo-woo, but there's something kind of energetically about water that just... It felt very healing, and it was an exercise that I could do when I couldn't I couldn't move as well anymore. There's a neurological component to swimming that isn't well recognized. I think it may have to do with with what we experience in the womb. But one of the the mold victims, who's a, was a science writer actually for big magazines, who was exposed to toxic mold and was in Moldy the movie. She, we have video of this movie, it's incredible. She was on a walker and could barely walk and she would take her walker up to the edge of the pool, sort of like fall into the pool, swim to the other side of the pool, get up and walk away. As soon as she swam, it turned her nervous system back on enough that she could overcome the toxic effect of mold. It's the most bizarre thing ever, but it was totally documented. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah doing, um, swimming really helped me. Um, just trying to keep on moving really helped mm-hmm. me. It was really hard. And I think there are a lot of people who are, who are bed bound because of fluoroquinolone toxicity are like, well, that's nice, Lisa, you know, but you got to as much as you can, you know, it, it helps, it helps the mitochondria to, to keep on, to keep on moving. So what else, what else helped your mitochondria? So swimming, some supplements and uh, magnesium and iron and chlorophyll. Was, were there other mitochondrial hacks that, that worked for you? Because I'm guessing people, everyone has mitochondrial dysfunction and some of these are going to help other people who, or you're the shining star guinea pig for them. Right, like, like a lot of different things helped me and I'm not sure whether or not they were healing to my mitochondria. Acupuncture, I, I really credit my acupuncturist yeah. with saving my life. Um, Hold on, don't you know that stuff doesn't work? It's been proven. You know, like, <laughs> sorry. Like I, I, just, I, I, can't I, stand went, I went to the doctor and they said, you're fine. I went to my acupuncturist and he treated me. And, and, and it worked, and, right? And it, and it worked. And, you There's know, no evidence that it worked. And, and honestly, <laughs> like, honestly, if it's the placebo effect, I don't care. It's not. Like, <laughs> acupuncture is so proven to work now. Right. Like, you just get this, like, old school, like, meh attitude. And, and you've probably faced it about lots of things that work for you. So I'm just kind of making right. fun of the people who make fun of acupuncture at this point. Right, right. And, and like the effects on the vagal nerve, like, like I saw that you, bo- both of us wrote a post about, about the vagus nerve and, and there are all sorts of exciting discoveries about the vagus nerve and all the acupuncturists are like, yup, <laughs> we've been yeah. telling you that. <laughs> like you work on the nervous system. This is, this is what you work on. This is how, how to become healthy. So um, acupuncture helped me uh, immensely. Um, avoiding avoiding drugs helped me immensely. Staying away from NSAIDs. Um, I used to take I used to pop ibuprofen like it was candy, and I. It's really not candy for anyone. That stuff is rough on the it's, body. It's really rough on the body, and I think that that people don't realize how damaging it is. How yeah. how damaging to the liver it is. How damaging to neurotransmitters it is. How damaging to the gut it is. Um, I I improved greatly not taking ibuprofen. Oh um. Taking a nutritional yeast 
helped me. Oh, wow. You benefited from that? Wow. Yeah. Was that a B vitamin thing? I would think so. I, I run into so many people who get like the um, yeast issues from taking nutritional yeast. Like it, it, in fact, there's even like some cancer studies about that where I recommend not not taking it. But if it helped you, like it, it helped. The, it the helped B vitamins me. might have been better than, and you didn't have the autoimmune yeast can, yeast issues like that. So, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I suspect it's the the B vitamins. You know, all of these things, like like you said, when you're doing self experimentation, there is some risk that. You know, maybe I'm doing some things wrong, you know, but but I would I would try different things. Um, a lot of people have been helped by the ketogenic diet. Um, I recently wrote kind, kind of <laughs> kind of a, a floxy food guide where where I mention that the ketogenic diet helps your helps your mitochondria. Um, also mention all sorts of mitochondria um, improving foods and, you know, people need to get their mineral levels back up. You know, when these when these drugs suck the magnesium and the iron out of your body, you need to you need to get those those things back in. And then um, I really think that a, a lot of self help stuff helped me a lot. And getting my yeah. getting my head into a halfway decent place was incredibly helpful. So Lisa, you're facing an early death or at least aging at a young age. And, and I said the same thing. I'm like, when I was 26, 27, I'm like, I feel like an old man. In fact, I work in an anti-aging group and I hang out with old men <laughs> and we're talking about the same stuff because like I was young when I was old. So yeah, of course, getting your head straight because you're facing death. Like, like that's what most people do when they're older. You get the wisdom or when you're, you have something this big happen to you, you've got to face it when you're younger. So I'm happy that you said that. And for people listening, like that's one of the reasons that the personal growth work matters whatever age you are, because it lets you be resilient around something like this. Because what happened to you kind of sucks, right? But you, you've handled it. Yeah. And there was a huge spiritual component to my healing and um, forgiving myself for getting sick and forgiving myself nice. Forgiveness. For, for taking those pills and forgiving myself for not being able to do the things that I used to be able to do and forgiving myself for, for being angry. And all of those things were incredibly helpful and I needed tools in order to find that forgiveness. And meditation was a huge tool, um, doing, doing a lot of self-help work um, through PSI is, is the company that I used, but I'm sure, I'm sure that all the self-help companies have, have very similar, me- similar messages. And well, well, there's, there's one guy, uh, Alberto Viotto, mm-hmm. who's a shaman has been a, a guest. He runs the four winds Academy um, of like training people in energy medicine. He's been a guest on the show 20 years in the jungle, taking hallucinogens, like a real shaman culture anthropologist. And you know what he talks about the most mitochondria. Interesting. Which is so bizarre, but he has like whole lectures on mitochondria, and it's actually not that bizarre because what you felt right there, when your mitochondria go down, like that is the source of your spiritual energy, it's the source of your emotional energy, and the source of your physical energy. You took a hit on all of those levels, right? So if you're going to heal on all of those levels, of course you looked at your spiritual side, you looked at your emotional side, and you looked at your physical side. Like, like, like you don't get one without the other in either direction. Yeah. It, it, so congratulations on figuring that out. Well, well, oh, thanks. You know, like it, it occurred to me at some point during this journey, like my soul is in my bacteria, <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> you know, and uh, and and yeah, like having those those vibrations in your in your mitochondria and your bacteria, like those those make it those make a difference in in how you in every aspect of your of your life, including your spiritual life, and everything works together. Your mental, your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual, and and I, it was a journey through all of those things, 
in order to in order to get healthy again. And you know, I I was lucky. I have largely recovered. Um, I'm not doing CrossFit anytime soon, but like I said, I'm. It's not tragic for me to do Pilates instead. Like no one, no one is dying because of that. But uh, there are some people who don't who don't recover, and I I do want to be sure to get the word out and not kind of disregard them by saying like, oh well, you know, I recovered. You'll be okay. <laughs> well, there's. There's some other mitochondrial things that, that a lot of people just don't know because we aren't taught to manage our mitochondria the way, um, or mind your mitochondria the way Terry Walls also did. She faced death. She was in a wheelchair. She's been a guest on the show. She's a, a personal friend and, and a physician who like, oh, look, I can use food and supplements and in her case, electricity and get out of a wheelchair and reverse, uh, was it MS, progressive MS. Uh, which is also mitochondrial origin kind of disease. So you're like, like we have all these shiny examples of people who had to do it or die. Right. And well, this is where innovation happens. This is where disruption happens. Like this is where progress happens. So even though it's it it sucks, like you're you're doing that. And when you look at mitochondria, whether whatever damage caused it, whether it was just aging, whether whether it was a, a chemical exposure, an immune thing, whatever. Uh, the mitochondria, when they get too overwhelmed, like like they die, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because then you grow new ones as long as you have the ability to grow new ones. Um, you also, like people know about glutathione who listen to the show because I make a glutathione supplement that helps, it's the master antioxidant, helps your liver uh, do its job better and it helps your cells have more glutathione. But you can train your mitochondria to make more of their own antioxidants. And this is largely missing from the conversations that, that I hear about this. So they make SOD and they make glutathione. And if you basically train your mitochondria to do more of that, their antioxidant enzyme systems get stronger. And you can tweak on mitochondrial performance with things like um, there's upgraded aging, uh, the, the substance that, that I manufacture, which changes some ratios of NAD to NAD plus, and you can do stuff like that. But if you want to actually stress them, it's not a supplement, but the stress does something similar to what a supplement does. And the number one mitochondrial stressor that works, uh, that I'm aware of, is ozone therapy. Hmm. Uh, when, when you do ozone therapy, it puts a heavy load on the mitochondria, almost like lifting weights for the mitochondria antioxidant system. So I would encourage you and all of the people who are phloxies to think about ozone therapy because what it does is if the, the mitochondria are really far gone, they're probably going to die. That's fine. But the ones who are there, they're going to be like, oh, I guess I should start working again. Like I have to work again. And it's basically exercise for them in a way that's very different than any other exercise. My brain turned back on when I had really bad toxic mold exposure. I'd lived in multiple moldy houses and I was like, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I did ozone therapy at home every night for 18 months when I was home. I didn't do it when I was traveling. I did it since I came back. And the first night, I'm like, oh, I got my brain back for five minutes. Mitochondria in the brain, first place you feel it. The next night, seven minutes. And I just kept doing it over and over. And one of the reasons I think I'm sitting here today with more capacity now than I had when I was 20 uh, is because I used ozone to tell the mitochondria in my body, you guys better buck up. And just sitting around being damaged, you're either going to die or you're going to get better. You don't have a choice about it. So I, like for anyone listening, I've had multiple guests like Robert Rowan, who's treated Ebola with ozone, talk about it. But as a mitochondrial 
stimulant to cause mitogenesis, to cause mitochondrial healing, to cause mitochondrial antioxidants. And you, you and your tribe of floxies have to get on the ozone yeah, bandwagon. Like, like I, several people have been helped immensely okay. by ozone cool. and also by glutathione IVs, by, um, oh, cool. by hydrogen <laughs> peroxide IVs. A lot of people yeah. go the, the IV route. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, um, in part just because it, it was too expensive for me. It was, it was awfully, it was awfully expensive to find a functional medicine doctor who, who could do that. And then each, each IV was going to be a lot of money. And so, you know, um, I, it's about a hundred to 150 bucks per IV. If if you're going to do it right, it's expensive. And, and doing that daily is, is rough. So, um, and talking about SOD and, uh, and glutathione, I just want to real quick mention a study that was done in India of, um, it was, it was an in vivo study, like uh, on on human cells, humans who had taken mm-hmm. these fluoroquinolones, and the SOD and glutathione levels decreased by seventy seven point six percent for those who t- took Cipro, fifty point five percent for those who took uh, Levaquin. Wow! Like so, you definitely want to turn that stuff back on, right? You want to turn that stuff back on, but also all of the people who are who are taking glutathione. Um, supplements, or who are or who are eating tons of broccoli because they they want to to increase their levels of glutathione. Don't undo everything that you just did by taking one of these drugs. These drugs just they they suck all of the antioxidants out of your body. Yeah, you got to make the body make more antioxidants. Absolutely. So so there there is I think there's there's hope for people who've been exposed to any strong mitochondrial damaging substance, including. Uh, the whole family of fluoroquinolones. There, I said it with, with it rolling off my tongue. Like I, uh, it's funny. It's a word you read all the time, but you don't pronounce a lot. Um, let's see. There's. I'm looking for for additional things that I haven't asked you that you would tell people. Like like so, you have an audience. There's probably a couple hundred thousand people are going to hear this. So what would you say to people that, you know, don't take antibiotics unnecessarily? I think people have heard that already in the general discourse and certainly from you. But is there like a very specific thing that you'd want to share? I think I want, I want people to understand that there are differences between the different antibiotics. And like I said earlier, these really should be categorized as chemo drugs. They are much more similar okay. to chemo drugs than they are to penicillin. And they do cellular damage, just like chemo drugs do. They could also save lives, just like chemo drugs do. But do not take these drugs if there is a viable alternative. Okay. They, they really should only be used in life or death situations. So, so that's a cool message, and that's a nuance that, that I don't want people to miss. You're not saying don't take antibiotics ever. You're saying if you're going to do it, take one that causes less harm. Exactly. Exactly. Like I'm not anti-antibiotic, you know, (laughs) like I don't think that that anyone wants to wants us to get to the point of complete antibiotic resistance any sooner than we're going to. But there is a problem of just categorizing these as antibiotics and therefore categorizing them as benign when they're they're not benign drugs. And um, and yeah, they kill bacteria, but there are consequences. There, there are consequences to doing that, and some of those consequences have a lot to do with, with chronic illness. And um, do we really want to trade our acute you know, sniffles for chronic illness down the road? I don't. Got it. I don't think anyone does. 
And and can I just say one more mm -hmm. one, sure. one more thing? So the um, the twenty first century Cures Act is something that is passing through Congress right now, and it, it appears to be virtually unopposed, and it's going to it's going to pass. There's a provision in it that will allow for experimental antibiotics that have never been proven um, or proven safe to be given in a hospital environment. Um, it I was obliterated by an antibiotic that has a 30-year track record. And lots of other people have been too. I can only imagine what will happen when um, when they just open the doors, when the FDA says, oh, we're just not going to care anymore. As long as you call it an antibiotic, you have free reign to do whatever. Um, and I find that to be very scary. And I think that there are, um, the 21st Century Cures Act will enable the pharmaceutical companies to truly just put out snake oils. Well, it sounds like they may put out some things that are that are more dangerous, and and that's a double-edged sword. You know, I I feel for a doctor who says I could save this person's life if if the regulatory people would get out of the way, and I'm going to watch them die. Right. Um, and it, that's a conundrum that I don't know that we're going to solve legally. Um, I, I'm thinking of a case where um, Dr. Lana, my wife, and I uh, ran a medical lab testing company. And we were testing people for an, uh, an autoimmune response or an immune response to metal in the body. And we had an eight-year-old referred uh, patient slash client. And he was dying. He'd had a, a chest expander put in. He had a genetic condition where his ribs were growing inwards. And his physicians put in a titanium implant to hold his ribs apart. And the second it went in, he started dying. And six, eight weeks later, he was near death. His entire body started rejecting it. And the physician was just beside himself because no one knew that metal could cause an immune reaction. So we used our test and we showed his white blood cells were just going crazy around titanium. The problem was in the US, there was no legal recourse. All of the things that they could buy were illegal. We were able to get a compassionate exemption from the FDA, which took a little while, and we were very fortunate to be able to get it, to import a zirconian one from Europe where they're legal, and it saved the kid's life. Like, and and it's, like, it's like, how do we get around that? Like we want, in a life or death situation, like I would want people to pump me full of C-Pro and chemo drugs, actually probably not chemo drugs to be honest, <laughs> but there's gotta be a better way. But I would want like the full access of every chemical on earth at my disposal and my team's disposal, and knowing that I might die, but hey, I want it because I'm going to die. But at the same time, I don't want the drug companies being, hey, why don't you experiment on this guy? Well, and, 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 and knowing that you might die, like that's in, yeah. in a life or death situation, that's absolutely appropriate. Yeah. You know, like I, I knew a kid in college who's who uh, had, he was he was a kid who made a wish for the make a wish thing. Like mm -hmm. like so he was dying. Like they were sure that he was dying. He got his wish, and then they did some sort of experimental thing, and he lived. And he's and, right. and he was cured. And everyone knows that, that that's everyone knows stories where that where that happens. Except don't give people an experimental drug when they have a urinary tract infection. Agreed. <laughs> it's, it's actually a very bulletproof perspective you have there. It, it, with me, I'm like, you don't have to eat the perfect foods all the time. You don't have to always be bulletproof, but you should know when you're taking when you're making a decision, you need something that isn't very bulletproof. And maybe maybe there's a difference between having, you know, like the, the tofu soy artificial color burger and, you know, eating uh, eating something that is like a piece of cheese. Like they're both kind of protein. Neither of them is all the way bulletproof. But one of them is more harmful than the other for the vast majority of people. 
And so just having that, this idea that says, okay, don't use, don't use antibiotics if you can avoid them. If you're going to use them, don't use the ones that are chemo drugs that have these high risks. Use a weaker one. And like you said up front, if you can get use the one that'll kill what you've got, it'd be helpful to know what you've got. So yeah. I, it, it's a very nuanced like spectrum approach where you're not asking people to just say no. You're asking them to just do it smart. Right, right, exactly. And we live, we live in a world that's gray and people want black or white. People, people want to say like antibiotics are good or antibiotics are bad, you know, or, or any sort of people want to categorize. And that's the world is just much more nuanced than that. And um, I certainly wish that I had never taken Zipro. Um, uh, that is, and I, and I hope that some people can learn from my personal experience. I hope that, um, but, but you know what, some of the perspective changes that have come about are not altogether bad. Um, and, and not that I would go through it again and not that I would wish it on anyone else, but like now I realize that there are those gray areas. I used to think of, of all antibiotics is just being pure, purely good. I used to think of just kind of the pharmaceutical system as being purely good. And now I see a lot of harm that is, that is being done. And um, I think that recognizing the harm that is being done and recognizing the, the effects of these drugs on people's lives is very, is very important. And, and also recognizing that the legal system is not recognizing it. And, um, you know, people say, oh, well, can't you just sue? And it's just not, it's, it's not that easy. Um, and, and so there, there really isn't any sort of, there isn't any sort of recourse for a lot of, for a lot of people who are, who are going through these things. And it's, it's given me purpose too, which is nice. It is nice. And it's probably given you some wisdom because, uh, well, you sound like you've certainly learned from this experience. And I want you to share your wisdom by answering the final question in the show, which is, given all the stuff you've been through and just your whole life outside of, of being a floxy, if someone came to you tomorrow, whether they've been exposed to, to drugs or not, and said, look, I want to perform better at everything tomorrow, what are the three most important things I should know? What would you tell them? Um, first, read the drug warning labels. <laughs> read it and know that yeah. it could happen to you. Like, don't think like that. And, and listen to people's stories, too. Like, read the warning labels and listen to people's stories. Going to have that be one. Sure. Um, and, and then um, question your categories. Like I was saying, these are, these are chemo drugs, not necessarily not antibiotics. Think about things differently. Question, question your categories when it comes to drugs. Like, when it comes to, uh, like we were talking about ibuprofen. Just because it's over the counter doesn't mean that it's safe. Question those things and um, meditate. Like med meditation, it, it helped me to get my head, heart, and soul into a place where I could, where I could deal with this. And um, you know, it's been shown to have all sorts of, all sorts of biochemical benefits uh, that, that I certainly won't, won't go into because I'm certainly not an sure. expert on it, but um, it, it helped me to find peace and it encouraged healing. Excellent. Lisa, thanks for being on the show. And tell people where they can find out more info about uh, your your group and about where you share information about Cipro and all of its all of its cousins' bad things. Right, right. So all of so my information in my website is on floxyhope.com. That's f l o x i e h o p e dot com. And um, if you click on the contact me link 
on foxyhope.com. You can you can reach me. I'm also reachable through Facebook um, and uh, Twitter as well. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing your experience on Bulletproof and have an awesome day. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know what to do. Head on over to iTunes and say that you liked it and leave us a good review. And maybe while you're at it, think about what you can do to upgrade your mitochondria because it's not just people who've been exposed to fluoroquinolones who have mitochondrial issues. It's people who age. And whether you're six years old or you're 60 years old, you age. We all do. And by holding the line against mitochondrial decay, you can not stop yourself from being old, which is kind of a nice thing, but you can actually kick more ass today and tomorrow. And fixing my own mitochondria has been a core part of my own program for for being a high-performance human being. So think about that and do what it takes, whether it's try cryotherapy, use some supplements, do intermittent fasting, high-intensity interval training, and almost every other technique that you can read about on Bulletproof is about at some point making your mitochondria do their jobs better. So take that to heart, learn from today's episode, and have an awesome day. Hey, this is Dave Asprey here at the Bulletproof Coffee Shop in Santa Monica, California. This is where many of the recipes for Bulletproof, the cookbook, were designed. The cookbook is based on the New York Times bestselling book, The Bulletproof Diet. When you eat this way, you have limitless energy, you don't have food cravings, you're not hungry, and you just feel amazing all the time, more willpower, and your pants are gonna be looser anyway. When you buy this book, I'm gonna give you a big discount on the book, free shipping, and a bunch of bonus content to teach you how to cook this way, so you just have that amazing sense of wellness all the time. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.